Today's scripture is from Exodus 20, 1 to 12. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Deborah, for reading those commandments to us. Hello again, New Hope. It's, uh, it is, again, it's a joy to, to be with you guys and to worship the Lord together and to look into his word. I'm going to ask that you pray with me before we look at, look at this fifth of ten commandments. Our God, we ask that you'd open our eyes to see wondrous things in your law. And more than that, Lord, we pray that from your law you would point us and guide us into the promises of the gospel of grace. We ask, O oh Lord, that the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we ask all of this. Amen. Amen. Honor your father and your mother. I wonder how you naturally respond in your heart to those words. Honor your father and your mother. Those words may trigger many different responses. I suspect they do trigger many different responses in a room of this size because there's a diversity of experiences represented here, right? A diversity of cultures, a diversity of family dynamics represented in this room. Some of us have parents who are loving and present, and supportive, not perfect, but godly. And others of us, not so much. Maybe we have parents who are distant emotionally, or demanding, or neglectful, and in some of our cases, perhaps even abusive. Many of us have lost our parents, even recently, and so all of those variables and more, it, it makes teaching on these words difficult. I mean, on the one hand, I can say, honor your father and your mother, but there are so many variables and factors to consider when it comes to discerning what should that really look like in each specific family. And still, in spite of all of those variables and factors, I'm hoping that as we dig into this commandment, we're going to see the beauty of what the Lord is calling us to here. And we'll see why he's calling us to it. We'll look at the meaning of this commandment. And, and I'll try to provide some practical ways to obey this commandment. But each of you, you have to do some hard work here too. You have to do the hard work of trying to determine what does obedience to this commandment look like in my family given the particular history that I have with my parents. I've been asking the Holy Spirit to guide me to carefully expound the meaning of this commandment, but I've also been asking the Holy Spirit to guide you to carefully receive and apply 
what God's Word says. So we've been studying the Ten Commandments for the past several weeks, and it's also known as the Decalogue, or literally the, the Ten Words. These are ten words that God himself gave to his people. He wrote them in stone, and he gave them to a nation whom he had just rescued and brought out of Egypt, where they had been living in slavery for 400 years. So these Ten Commandments, they were meant to teach God's ancient people how to live as newly free men and women and children under the the loving rule of the Lord. But these commandments tell us how to live as God's people too. They tell us what it looks like to, to live as people who have also been set free by the same Lord. If we believed in the good news of Jesus Christ, who died for us when we were enslaved to sin, by his death and by his resurrection, he has set us free from guilt and sin and death. These commandments are here to show us how to live as free people, set free by the Redeemer Lord. You see, these Ten Commandments, we may think of them as restrictive, but they don't restrict us. They don't restrict our freedom. They show us how to enjoy the freedom that Jesus has given us. So these ten words, they are split over two tables. We can look at them in two columns. The first table consists of commandments one through four, and it's been said that those first four commandments, they all have to do with our responsibilities toward God, our our vertical responsibilities towards our God. They tell us how to worship him, how to honor him. And then the second table, commandments 5 through 10, it's been said they have to do with our responsibilities towards people, our horizontal responsibilities toward our neighbors. And and really, commandment 4, which we looked at last week, remember the Sabbath, we can look at that as kind of like a bridge or a hinge commandment because It has to do with how we relate to God, how we worship him, but also has to do with how we relate to others, giving one another space for rest on Sabbath. And nevertheless, what we really need to see is the connection between these two tables. What what do these two tables have to do, the vertical responsibilities and the horizontal responsibilities? What do they have to do with each other? Well, for one thing, God is telling us, he's showing us here through the very structure of his commandments You cannot love God without loving your neighbor, too. You can't. You can't grow in loving God without growing to love others as well. I can say I love God. At the same time, say, this dude over here, I hate this dude. This person, I can't stand them, but I love God. God says, nope, no. You don't love me. At least you don't love me the way I'm calling you to love me. Because love for God will lead us increasingly to love people made by God, even when God made them very different from how he made us. And the second, the second table of the Decalogue spells out in detail what it looks like to love people, to love our neighbors. And the second table starts with these words, honor your father and your mother. God begins with family. When he wants to show us how to love our neighbors, he starts not with our next door neighbors, but our neighbors in our same household. He begins with family because your nearest neighbors are, in fact, your family. That's where loving your neighbors starts. In fact, the way that you relate to your family growing up, many of us know this by experience, the way that you relate to your family growing up will, for better or worse, It's going to shape the way you will relate to everyone else later in life. It's going to influence and mold you into the person. It's going to shape the way that you love or don't love other people. Home is where those relational habits are formed, and those relational habits are going to influence so many other future relationships. We know this, don't we? We see it. So this is such an important word for all of us. This is not just a word for kids. When God says, honor your father and mother, it's not like he's got nine commandments for all of Israel, but he says, but wait a second, kids, here's the children's sermon. I got a a word for you, kids. Honor your father and your mother. It's not just for kids. So if you have kids sitting next to you, you don't need to necessarily elbow them and be like, this is for you, this is for you. You can elbow them, but they can elbow you back and say, it's for you too, mom, this is for you too, dad. It's for adults with parents 
and even for adults who have lost their parents. It's also for parents who want to know what to expect, what to require of their own children. Many of you here are part of what's commonly called the sandwich generation. You know what the sandwich generation is? The sandwich generation is made up of people who are simultaneously bringing up their own children while at the same time caring for their aging parents at the same time. Many of us are in that role. It's an interesting role, but it makes the fourth, the fifth commandment all the more pertinent for us because we are called on the one hand to require that our children honor us while at the same time we honor our own parents and are seeking to do that. As they age, but it's not just pertinent for the sandwich generation. It's pertinent for all of us. That at the same time that these words are so pertinent for all of us, they can also be so hard for all of us. Hard to understand and hard to obey. After all, isn't it true that different cultures have different expectations when it comes to how they treat parents? Right? In fact, certain expectations may have been handed to you about how you should treat your parents. And you wonder, are these expectations from God or are they just from my parents? Are these expectations just from my family of origin and just from my culture in which I grew up or my parents grew up in? Or are these expectations really from God? Do I really owe them this kind of honor that they are requiring of me? Plus, the relationship between us and our parents will will look different at different ages, won't it? We don't honor them in the same way at four years old that we will when we are 40 years old. Still honor, but it looks different. Honoring your parents, let's be honest, honoring your parents, especially as an adult, will look different depending on what kind of parents they have been. It doesn't mean that if they were not very good parents, you don't owe them honor. It means that the kind of honor you show them is going to look different. Parent-child relationships are complicated, but, but they're sometimes further complicated by abuse, by neglect, by trauma, by these unhealed wounds that we carry with us through life. So honoring your parents is going to look different if your history with them has been joyful, if they have been parents that, 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 that were present and loving and, and supported you and instructed you patiently. Again, I want to provide some specific instruction and we will do that in a moment, but, but you'll need to, to consider that specific instruction in light of your own situation and say, how do I apply that in my relationship with my parents? So what does it mean to honor? What does it mean to honor? The, the Hebrew word is an interesting word. It, it has to do with the idea of weight, weightiness, heaviness. Something that is honorable or has honor carries weight. And so to honor someone means, in a sense, to give them weight, to acknowledge their weight, to give weight to their words, to give weight to their presence in your life. It's to hold them in high regard. And that honor is due parents, God says, simply because they are your parents. Whether they're your biological parents or they're your adoptive parents, they're due honor, fundamentally. Not because of their character, but simply because they are your parents. And again, their character will certainly shape how you honor them. But here's here's a helpful basic definition that I I really like. It's from Tim Keller. He says, to honor is a decision to treat your parents with dignity and courtesy and to provide long-term loyalty to their best interests. I think it's interesting for what it says and what it doesn't say. Notice there are are certain words in there that aren't there, like like certain words like obedience aren't there. There's loyalty, but look what it's loyalty. It's not so much loyalty to the person as much as loyalty to their best interests. So this is something I think can be applied in a relationship where it's been a healthy, joyful parent-child relationship, but also in relationships that have been strained and difficult. I can have a very difficult relationship with my parents. By God's grace, I don't. My parents are wonderful people. Thank you, mother. My mother's not here right now. She's not feeling well. But thank you to my father for raising us in such a way that it's a joy to honor them. And any failure to honor them has been my fault, not theirs. But having said that, even in a situation where your, your relationship with your parents has been strained, you can still treat them with dignity and courtesy, right? It's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. And you can still be, even though you've realized that you can know, maybe you can't even trust them. Maybe, maybe you have very little affection for them, but you can still say, I am going to be loyal to your best interests. That is, my loyalty, my commitment is to seek your good. 
even if you don't think it's your good, I'm going to seek your good. We may disagree on what your best interests are, but my desire is to seek your best interests. That's a sense of what, uh, uh, the, the complexity of what it looks like to honor our parents. But we're going to go through looking at this command in the ways that we have looked at some of the other commandments. I'm going to ask, what does this reveal to us about God? What does this commandment show us about God? Here's one thing it shows us. God cares about family. That should come as no surprise because he created family, right? We, we may try to redefine what family looks like, but he's the designer. He's given us a design. He says this is what family is, and, and it doesn't just end at the nuclear level. Your family is, in fact, bigger than just your household right now. But what's interesting is that God sees us in vital connection to our families. He sees us as vitally connected. Westerners, some of us, can, we can miss this, because sometimes as Westerners, we tend to see people as radically independent, autonomous individuals. But God sees people as enmeshed and vitally connected to a network of family. Biological or adoptive. Think about the story of the Bible. How, how much of the story of the Bible hinges on family connections, descendants of ancestors? How often does God deal with whole households, not just with an individual, but with a whole family at once? The story of the Bible is the story of a family in a sense. It's the story of the family of Abraham that culminates in the birth of Jesus. Now, when we believe the gospel and we follow Jesus, we become a part of a spiritual family, a new family with new brothers and new sisters. We call each other brother or sister in Christ, right? And God is now our father. But that doesn't mean that your first family stops mattering. The Bible doesn't teach that, and Christianity has never, true Christianity has never taught that. Cults teach that sometimes, right? It's one of the ways we can identify a cult. The cults say, hey, you're a part of this family now. Turn your back on your family. They isolate people from their families. They, they, cause, they cause strife between members of the cult and their families. No, not the church. That's not what the church is ever meant to do. Jesus says, I welcome you into my family. God becomes your father, and that actually, that'll actually cause your relationship with your actual biological and adoptive family members, it'll give you resources to actually engage them with love, to be a better biological or adoptive son or daughter. So this commandment reveals to us that God cares about families, but also God cares about elders. That's revealed here too. God cares about elders. Think about that. I don't mean elders as in pastors. I mean elders as in the older generation. Think about it. In, in Egypt, in the Egyptian economy, where the Jewish people had become slaves, what role did old people play in that economy? They were not very highly valued. Elderly Jewish people were not valued because they didn't make for great slaves. <laughs> and so they may have been viewed as useless, as a burden, but not by God. So God, his seasoned saints, as I've heard the elder generation call it sometimes, I like that, seasoned saints are precious to him. His older generation of followers matter to him. In our society, this happens too. Older people are undervalued, aren't they? Older people tend to be neglected in our society, but not by God. And he wants us to see our elders as having dignity and deserving honor. Look, God, God gave this commandment to a whole nation of people who were leaving Egypt, right? So in a sense... In a sense, he's not just saying, each of you, singular, each of you, honor your mom and your dad. He is saying that, but he's saying more. He's saying you as a people, collectively, collectively, together, honor the moms and the dads in your community. Honor that older generation of moms and dads that, that raised you and instructed you as a community Yes, you have to honor your own father and mother, but also care for and respect all the mothers and fathers, all the grandmothers and grandfathers, all the great-grandmothers and great-grandfathers. They matter. The older generation matters. This commandment reveals to us that at least this, that God cares about family and God cares about elders. No matter how unproductive they might feel, no matter how out of touch society might view them to be, God says, precious to me, 
This commandment also confronts us with some things, as the, all the commandments do. They, this one, in part, in, in, in part, I think it confronts us with our in, sense of entitlement. I'm thinking some of us, some of us maybe who are a little younger, too. You ever feel like your parents, whatever good they do to you, well, they, they owe it to you anyway? Like, when a waiter brings food to your table, you say thank you, but you don't hug the waiter and say, I'm so grateful for the service that you're providing for me today. Why? Because they get paid to do that. Maybe you tip them. I hope you do. But that's, that's their job. You're entitled. As a, as, as, a, as a kid taking the bus home from school, when the bus driver drops you off on the corner, I hope you say thank you, but you don't hug your bus driver and say, you know, so grateful for the times that you dropped me off right here and you picked me up. It shows that you really care about me and you really love me. I owe you so much I can never repay. You would never say these things to a bus driver because you're entitled to that service. Your parents' taxes, thank your parents, pay for that service. But when it comes to our relationship to our parents, we're not, we shouldn't have that same sense of entitlement, should we? This, this commandment confronts us with the fact that some of the things that we should be thankful for, we take for granted. Some of the care and support and provision, years of patience that our parents have shown us, we think, well, that's to be expected. No. God says, no, don't, don't take it for, for granted. Instead, honor your parents. It confronts us with our neglect of our parents, too. And here I'm thinking not so much of younger folks. I'm thinking of those who are a little bit older here. Like in my generation, we're a little older, and what, and what we might do is neglect our parents or neglect the elderly. Maybe we don't call them as often as we should, or maybe we don't even respond to their calls when they call us, and maybe we leave their texts unread and we don't even respond to them. Maybe their emails go ignored. There's a level of conviction that I think this law is, 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 is bringing on us in that area. It also, for some of us, maybe it's confronting us with our own hurt. When we're told to honor our father and mother, it reminds us of the hurt we experience at the hands of our fathers and mothers, some of us. Maybe, maybe this commandment confronts you with the pain of your parents' failures. And God has something to say to that, too. He doesn't just confront us in all this and leave us there. No, he has, he has something to tell us here. Dan, Dan Allender a psychologist and an author, he, he, he writes about the fact that there are two deep questions lurking in the heart of every child. He says these two deep questions lurking in the heart of every child. Am I loved and can I get my own way? And he goes on to explain the parent's job is to say again and again, yes, you are loved. Yes, you are loved. And no, you can't get your own way. But even as you don't get your own way, remember the reason I'm not letting you get your own way is because you are loved. I love you too much to just let you get your own way. And maybe we can think about the fact that in some ways our society in some way is, is scarred and hurt by families where this has not happened, where, where families where parents have either not said you are loved or have tried to express love by simply letting their children have their way. This is what you feel. This is what you think. This is what you think is best. Go, go for it. We'll enable it. We'll support it. We'll even fund it. And it leads to destruction. So Allender says the parent's job is to say, Yes, you are loved. You can't get your own way. But, but some of us, we live with hurt because we feel that either on the one hand, we were not told that we were loved. We didn't feel loved. Or maybe we weren't instructed and held back when we should have. We weren't protected by our parents. This commandment, lastly, I think it also confronts, confronts parents with our own failures. Something humbling about reading these, especially in the presence of my own kids. I'm, I, have the, I have the awkward and, 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 and uh, experience of being, getting to preach this in the presence of my own parents and my own children. And there's something odd about saying, honor your, your parents, and I believe it's true, and I say it to, I've said it to them, but it's, there's something about saying it that also reminds me of my failures as a parent. I'm confronted with the ways in which I have been dishonorable, the ways in which I've made it harder for them to honor me. Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then what does he say? He says, fathers, parents, do not provoke your children to anger, 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And maybe some of us, as we read this commandment, we're reminded of the ways we have provoked our children to anger. We have been more interested in bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of Rob than in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. Some of us are confronted by the fact that we have been discouragers, discouragers to our children. If you're a parent, you know you failed at times. Don't you? And here's one way. Here's one way that you can be an honorable parent. Here's one way that you can love your kids and make yourself easier to honor by your children. Just admit those failures. Admit it and seek forgiveness from them. I wonder, I wonder for those of us here who are adults, who maybe are parents, I wonder how many of you ever had a conversation with your mom or your dad where your mom or your dad said, when you were a kid, said, I'm sorry, I'm deeply sorry, will you forgive me? I hurt you, I let you down, will you forgive me? Some of us never heard that from our parents growing up. And it made, it made it harder for us to honor them because they weren't willing to humble themselves and seek forgiveness from us. We have the opportunity as parents to make it easier on our kids to honor us, if we'll do the honorable thing, simply admitting our failures, saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? With frequency, saying those words. This commandment confronts us in so many ways as children and as parents, but also teaches us a lot. So let's look at the instruction we find in this command. How does it instruct us? Well, in a broad sense, the fifth commandment teaches us to submit to authority. There's a big picture here. It's not just about by teaching us to respect our parents, we're also being taught to respect authority, right? Uh, a, a child who learns to honor his or her parents as a kid will later have an easier time honoring their boss, honoring their teacher, and ultimately honoring God himself. Chap Bettis shared a quote with us yesterday, and I'll paraphrase it. It's from Bishop J.C. Ryle. He said, it's no wonder that men have a hard time or don't know how to submit to God. They've never been taught to submit to their own parents. It's no wonder that men don't want to submit to God if they've never been told and taught to submit to their parents. And so by teaching our children to honor us and by us honoring our parents, we're learning to submit to godly authority even when it's hard. This This commandment more specifically teaches us how to relate to our parents, to mom and dad. So, so to benefit from that instruction, we need to think carefully, not just about what honor is, but we need to think about what honor isn't. What isn't it? What is it not? It isn't just giving your mother some flowers on Mother's Day. We know that. It's not just buying that, 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 that mug, personalized that mug for your dad on Father's Day, although that's good too. I love gifts from my kids. I would love a mug come Father's Day. We appreciate that. But more seriously, honoring is not, it's not that. And it's not just, look, honoring is not just blind obedience either. Some parent, maybe some of us as parents demand that, even of our older kids. But that's not what God's talking about here. He's not demanding blind obedience, especially from adults to their parents. It's certainly true that kids, small kids, are meant to obey their parents. Chap told us this yesterday. Chap better said, he, what was the quote? He says, he said, little kids, kids, children, obey your parents right away, all the way, in a happy way. Right away, all the way, in a happy way. That means Im- with immediacy, holistically, all the way, fully, and with joy, not begrudgingly, anger stomping and complaining, grumbling. Ephesians 6.1, though, says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. So it means that even, even at a young age, but certainly for us as adults, we can only obey our parents in the Lord. That means we can only obey them to the degree that what they're asking of us aligns with what the Lord tells us is good. If a parent or any other authority figure, we saw this when we studied Romans 13 a long time ago, if, a, if, a, if an authority figure tells us to do anything that's contrary to what God tells us is good, basically they're requiring us to sin, and we must say no. 
The best way I can honor you is by saying no to you because you're calling me to sin. And I'm not going to sin and I'm not going to make you an enabler of my sin. I'm not going to bring you into my sin. I'm going to reject your command to sin. The apostles, once faced with severe punishment for preaching the gospel, were told, stop talking about this resurrected Jesus. And they said, sorry, we can't stop. We must obey God rather than man. And so it is even for children. No matter how demanding your parents are, you must obey God rather than man. And so honoring them does not mean blind obedience through and through. All authority is from God. He's the final authority. And so while immediate obedience matters for, for children, especially young children, we want to reject the idea that adults should be treated like children by their parents and told, you must do this because your mother or your father says it, and if you don't do it, you're, you're bringing shame upon me or you're, you're rejecting me. No. No. Honoring doesn't mean agreeing. At least not always. doesn't always involve agreeing. We can honor, according to that definition I gave you from Tim Keller, even when we don't agree. It doesn't even mean trusting or showing affection. Not always. Think about it. I'm, th- I'm thinking of, of relationships. I'm trying to think of a full range of relationships. Maybe there's a parent-child relationship where there have been deep hurts and offenses and betrayal and abuse. Honoring that parent doesn't necessarily look like overflowing affection towards them and trusting them. It can include that when the relationship is healthy, but if it's not, it doesn't necessarily include that. And honoring them doesn't mean ignoring the abuse or the neglect or the hurts that you've experienced at their hands. No, in fact, I would argue that you would do better, you would honor them better by confronting those, that abuse and those neglects, that, that neglect and those hurts and engaging them. Remember, to honor is a decision to treat your parents with dignity, dignity and courtesy. Sometimes that may involve confronting their failures confronting the ways that they've hurt you in an effort to provide long-term loyalty to their best interests. So how can I honor my parents? I'm going to give you a list. We're going to go through it. And the reason I give you this list is not because I expect everyone to remember all this. Um, I give you the list because I'm hoping that given the variety of relationships represented here and and households represented here, I'm hoping that in this list, as you look, maybe one or two of these things, God will take and impress upon your heart and you'll say, that's really speaking to me. That really speaks to where I'm at with my parents. I I need to walk that out. I need to seek God's grace to to help me walk that out. But again, you're going to have to use discernment to figure out what would this look like in my particular situation. So here's the first way, simple enough. We, we, we can thank our parents. You can thank your parents. That is to verbally acknowledge what they've done for you, not just as a courtesy, but as an act of grace, as an act of kindness. Thank them for what you've learned from them. Thank them for what they gave you, for what you received from them over the years. Express gratitude. And, and the amazing thing, we know this, I think many of us do, that expressing gratitude actually makes us more grateful, right? So, so simply saying thank you repeatedly actually starts to make us more thankful and can actually be a step in healing some of the wounds and some of the tension in our relationship with our parents. So thank them. Verbally acknowledge what they've done for you. Here's another one. Let them in. Let them in. Now, 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 this can mean different things to different people. If, if you're, if, uh, I'm thinking maybe, maybe if you're an adult in training, you're, you're, you're on the younger end, maybe letting your parents in means, means spending more time with them and uh, seeking to include them in your life. Maybe, maybe it requires you to tell them that you, you, you don't want advice right now, you just want your parents to listen. Would you listen to me, Mom? Would you listen to me, Dad? I'd like to share with you what's on my heart. I'm not asking you to fix anything. I'm not asking you to give me advice right now. But would you listen to me, and would you, will you allow me space to tell you what's going on in my mind, in my life? Let your parents in by doing that. That's a gift. That's honoring them. But some of us who are older, it means responding to those texts from our parents and responding to those phone calls and, and inviting them into our lives to spend more time together 
including them. Certainly it requires boundaries. Healthy boundaries need to be there. But let them into your life. Also, thirdly, seek and receive their thoughts. Seek their thoughts and receive their thoughts. I'm talking about seeking their counsel, seeking their insight. Again, this is going to look different depending on the character of your parents and what kind of relationship you have and how good their insights and counsel has been in the past for you. But I'm saying all other things being equal, invite them to share their thoughts into your life and, and listen to them. It's very easy for us to think that we already know what our parents are going to say if we ask them. I could share this with them, but I know exactly what they're going to say. No, don't assume. Instead, seek their thoughts. And when they speak to you, open up your heart to receive what they have to say and evaluate it. Can I follow this advice? Is this helpful insight or not? But, but give their words weight. Remember, that's what honoring means. Give their words weight so I'm willing to at least listen and consider. Proverbs 23:22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. The assumption there is that our parents get older, we are more and more likely to disregard their ideas, opinions, thoughts, and input. We can also honor our parents by supporting and helping them. Some of you are in, in, right in the midst of this. We talked about the sandwich generation earlier. Some of you are right in the middle of this. You are helping support your parents through trials, health scares, deteriorating bodies. You're there at their bedside. You're there in the hospital. You're there getting medical advice. You're there having to make hard decisions about their future, and it's so weighty. I want you to know that as you're doing that, the Lord delights in what you're doing. He sees how much time you're spending. He knows it's not easy, and he knows that you're not always doing it with the best attitude, and you're tired, and you're exhausted with it. But to the degree that you are seeking to honor your parents by simply helping them and supporting them, even for some of them, as they walk through their final days in this world, you are honoring your God. And he delights. He is so happy with what he sees in you. And he's committed to give you more and more grace to keep walking it out. In Mark 7, Jesus is talking to religious authorities. And he's rebuking them for the fact that they were requiring people to give more and more money to the temple. And then telling them, when your parents need help, tell your parents, I can't help you. I can't support you financially. I can't take care of your well-being. I gave all my money to the temple. It's God's money. I gave it to God, not to you. Jesus says what you're doing is that this is not in accordance with the fifth commandment. He says what you're doing is you're, you're, you're leaving the commandments of God and you're holding to the traditions of men. And what you're doing is you're teaching people to dishonor their parents in the name of religious piety. And he rebukes them for it. And the, what, what this implies for us is that there is something sacred and good it is according to the commandments of God for you to, res for you to res respond to all the support and care that your parents gave you by, by occupying in, what, in some ways as a parental role in their lives in their old age, supporting them financially, taking care of them and seeking their good. Here's another way to honor our parents. We can empathize patiently with them. Empathize patiently with them. We can realize simply that they all have their, each of our parents, they had an upbringing that for better or worse shaped them into the parents they became. And some of them did not have some of the things that we have. But perhaps they did the best with what they had. And perhaps they're painfully aware of their failures. Perhaps they would love to have gotten a second chance with us. Empathize patiently simply means realize that. Live in the light of it. It doesn't mean it's all okay. Whatever, however you hurt me, it's all good. I know you had a hard life. It doesn't mean that. But it says patiently empathize with them. It said, it's saying, I realize that your life is hard. And maybe that'll help me to love you more if I, if I think about that. I consider the things that you suffered. And we can forgive them too. Here's another way. Forgive them. 
Oh, it's so complicated. I know I'm not trying to give simplistic answers to those of you who have broken relationships with your parents. I'm simply saying, in some cases, maybe you can't. You're not even in a place to forgive them right now. But I'm, I'm asking you to, 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 to ask the Lord for the grace necessary to have a heart that's ready to forgive, to release whatever debt they owe you. And by forgiveness, I'm not saying everything goes back to normal. Your relationship with them is beautiful. I'm saying forgive as in letting go of the debt and saying, I will no longer hold this against you, Mom. I'll no longer hold this against you, Dad. And this can happen with your parents that have passed away already. You've lost them, but you can still forgive them. You can still release whatever you're holding on to that's creating bitterness in your own heart. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The gospel gives you resources to be able to forgive your parents. The gospel enables you to give grace. It's not simple. It's not simple, but it's one way for us to honor our parents. Jesus says, forgive your enemies and bless those who hurt you. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's hard for me to even say it, but maybe for some of you here, maybe some of you, when you think of your parents, you think of an enemy. Maybe they have made themselves an enemy to you. Jesus says, you can bless them even though they hurt you. It doesn't even mean forgetting. It doesn't mean everything's going to be reconciled. It doesn't mean the relationship's going to be completely restored, not necessarily, but you can forgive. You can, you can, and, and what I'm saying by forgiving is you're canceling the debt. And here's another way to honor our parents. We can at least open your heart. You can open your heart up to the possibility of redemption and reconciliation. You can open your heart up to the fact that if God can bring dead people back to life, then perhaps God can bring this dead relationship back to life. Maybe he can bring restoration to what's been broken by sin and hurt. One last, last three ways. One, we can communicate the gospel to our parents. Simple enough, I'm thinking especially of parent, those of us who have parents who don't know Jesus or are not following Jesus, we can communicate the gospel to them. Maybe they don't want to hear it, maybe they love to hear it, but we can show them the love of God as well. And we can let them see its fruit. And I, I'm, I would suggest to you that if we're doing the other things on this list, we are showing them the fruit of the gospel in our lives. We can pray for them. Pray for them. What a great way to honor our parents by simply speaking their names to the Lord. It goes unseen. Your parents may not see that you're honoring them in this way. You don't need to tell them even that you're praying for them. But God sees it, and you are honoring them when you lift them up before the Lord and you say, Lord, my mother, my father needs this. And for those of us who have lost our parents, you can honor their memory. You can honor their memory by celebrating the good that they did in your life, by speaking well of them to the next generation. Speaking well of them to the degree that... that that, that, that you're able to, to your children. The way that you speak about your parents to your children will shape the way that your children speak about you in the future. So as you give time and energy to honor your parents, perhaps in some of these ways, maybe some of these strike you as particularly pertinent to you, maybe there's others that you're thinking of, other ways that, that God is bringing to your heart. But as you give time and energy to honor your parents, God your Father smiles. You're honoring him. You are bearing his name well. And, and not only is he watching, your kids are watching too. If you, have, you honor your parents, your kids are watching. Those kids who will one day have to care for you see you now caring for your parents. For those of us here who have children, this commandment teaches us that it's okay to require honor from our children. It's not wrong for a parent to remind their kids of the responsibility to obey when they're young, to be thankful, to remember and listen to us. It's not wrong to do that. It's not self-serving. In fact, by reminding our children to honor us, we're actually training them for life, and we're preparing them for the world, and we're helping them learn to recognize and respect God's authority. Because that's the analogy of parenting. It's that analogy. You are, you as parents, whether you like it or not, you are a lens through which your kids will come to know what God is like, what God the Father is like. So that in the way that you love them and support them and provide for them and you protect your children, 
in the way that you correct your children, even in the way that you discipline your children, you are meant to be showing them what God the Father is like. As we close, we have to see that there's a promise here. There are promises embedded in this, in this commandment. The first one is explicit. It's right there in the text. It says, Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Right? When the Apostle Paul, when he says in Ephesians 6, he quotes this commandment and he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. It's right there in the text. Honor your parents that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Now, what does that mean? It will go well. We used to tell our kids, I remember when our kids were little, we used to tell them, if you honor us and you obey us, things will go well for you. Because as kids, maybe you don't see, you don't see consequences, right? You don't know exactly what's ahead. And, and, and as a parent, you've got a little bit more perspective. You're like, I know where this is ending. I can see where you're headed. If you will honor me and obey me now, things are going to go a lot better for you. In the next five minutes, they're going to go a lot better for you. But then also long term, it's going to go better for you too. Practically, there is a sense in which honoring our parents will lead to longer life in the sense that like, the kid who learns to listen to his parents when his parents say don't run in the parking lot may have a longer life expectancy than the kid that doesn't listen to his parents when the parent says don't run in the parking lot, right? Or the kid that listens when dad says don't stick a fork in the outlet maybe has a longer life expectancy than the other kids who are like, nah, who cares what you say, right? But, but I think this promise goes beyond that. There's a general principle here, certainly, that, that obedience to God leads to blessing. It is safer and healthier for you to obey God. That's a general principle here. But beyond that, God, remember, he's speaking to a whole community of people who have just left Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land. And he's saying, if you will obey this word, not just even this fifth commandment, but this whole, if you will keep this covenant, which includes honoring your parents, you will live long in the land that I'm giving you. It's not even just about life expectancy. It's about the expectation of being in that land, that safe place for generations. You see, God is saying, to the degree that you disobey my law and you break this covenant, it's it's as if you're giving up the right to even be in this land. And what would happen eventually is Israel would break the covenant. They would fail to keep God's commandments including the commandment to honor their parents. And one of the results was what? They were sent out of the land. They lost the land. It led to exile. So God is saying it's not so much about how, how many years you will live, but how long you as a people get to be in my place, under my blessing. You are in a place of safety. You are in a place of blessing, and I am with you. Keep this commandment if you want to stay in this place. Because to the degree that you reject my covenant and reject my words, you're distancing yourself from the safe place of my presence. And that's what happened. And I think we could even look at it today. A a, a culture where children do not honor their parents, where there's a lack of respect for older generations and a lack of respect for parents, that's a characteristic of of a society that's disintegrating, that's broken. And in many ways, I think that, that, that our culture probably is that. So there's a promise of blessing here. There's a promise of blessing. It's explicit, but there's also an implicit promise, and we'll end with this. Look, through faith in Jesus Christ, you have a Father who is imminently worthy of honor. Through faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that your earthly parents don't matter, but, but you now have a heavenly Father. He never provokes you to anger. He will never mistreat you or neglect you. He loves you unconditionally, contra-conditionally. He doesn't treat you differently based on your performance. This father never guilt trips you or holds your past failures up in your, and throws them in your face. He's never disappointed in you. He's never cold towards you. This heavenly father, he doesn't misunderstand you. He isn't emotionally distant and non-communicative. He's never abandoned or lashed out at you in uncontrolled anger. Growing up, did did your father tell you that he loved you? Did your father ever tell you that he loved you? This father does. This father wants to keep reminding you. He keeps telling you how much he loves you. Growing Growing up, did you ever feel like your mother sometimes was just so dissatisfied with you? 
like, like disappointed or ashamed of you? Like whatever you did wasn't good enough? Did you ever feel that way? This father, this father delights in you. He says, this is my son, my daughter in Christ. I am well pleased in you. I'm so happy that you are my child. And nothing you do can change that. And this same father can empower you to honor your own father and mother. If you happen to be younger, on the younger end, a teen, you know that your parents have failed you in some ways, real ways, and they know this too. I'm not saying that they don't love you. They do, but, 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 but we're flawed. We're hurt ourselves, and, and we hurt you. Maybe there's a time when you were younger and you're, you're, you're little and your parents are like your heroes and, and, and that faded. <laughs> you're not your heroes anymore. You thought they could do no wrong, but they've done some wrong now. The facade is over. Your parents will disappoint you. They will fail you. And, and, and as you get older, if God ever gives you kids, you're going to fail them too. But the gospel provides you, it provides you with resources to respond to all of that in a way that's healthy. Look, here's what sometimes happens. Sometimes what happens is when our parents fail us, and we're young especially, our parents fail us, and so we look for what they withheld from us from other people, right? So we look for, uh, maybe it's in a girlfriend or a boyfriend or some other friend or a spouse or something. We're looking for what our parents stubbornly withheld from us. But these other people fail you too. And so you keep looking, and you keep looking. And, and then finally, maybe you even give up and you say, I can only trust myself because no one, I can't trust anyone else. But then you find out that you yourself don't meet your own expectations. You yourself don't even meet your needs. But God invites you to stop looking to people to do what only he can do. Don't, don't put your parents in God's place. Sometimes we can take this, this command to honor our parents and we twist it and we make our parents into idols. Whether they were kind parents or not, we can, it's, it's as if their opinion of us matters most. What, what my mom thinks of me, what my dad, I can't let them down. Whatever they think of me is the most important thing. How they see me is, it must be who I really am. God wants to break you from all that. Maybe someone here needs to hear this. I, I know I've gone long, I'm sorry, but someone, maybe someone needs to hear this. Stop looking to anyone, including your own parents, to give you the approval and acceptance and everything else that only God can give you. Start looking to your real father, your heavenly father. He's the one that they were meant to point you to all along. And this father, this father, he becomes your father through faith in Jesus. Receive that, receive that gift by believing in Jesus, following him. And this father will say to you, yes, yes, you are loved. You are loved more than you can fathom. And, and you can't get your way. You can't get your way. But as you pursue my way, you will find the deepest satisfaction of your heart more than you ever know. This is the promise of this commandment. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, for your word. I thank you for the patience of my brothers and sisters and these folks here. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you confront us and you don't leave us in a place of just conviction and um, brokenness, but you give us promises that we can cling to and believe in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for being the good, good Father who, who is so deserving of honor. Give us the grace we need to know how to honor those to whom honor is due here in our families, in our households. In Jesus' name, amen.